Hello, and welcome to the Relatable Homeschoolers podcast. We're four homeschooling mamas with a combined 32 years of experience homeschooling our 12 kids, and our homeschools are anything but Pinterest perfect. Whether you are a veteran homeschooler, a new homeschooler, or just homeschool curious, we want to encourage you in your homeschooling journey and offer you practical tips and tools to make your homeschooling life easier. We're so glad you're here. Good evening or morning, wherever you are. It's evening where we are. And welcome to the Relatable Homeschoolers. One of the things that has come up for us quite a bit from especially new homeschooling moms is how do we feed our kids during the day? What do you do for meals and snacks? And especially if you're coming off a public school routine where the public schools have provided breakfast and lunch like they do in many states, this can be a big stressor thinking about a whole nother set of meals, two sets of meals actually. And as we all know, kids are bottomless. I don't know about you guys, but my kids like to eat off and on all day. They need more than just breakfast and lunch. So we're going to talk today about how we navigate meal planning and feeding our kids during the homeschool day. And one of the things we talked about before we got on tonight was that that changes over the years. So let's talk first about maybe ages and stages and what does it need to be like when you have littles running around the house, babies, toddlers, and then your school age kids, especially young ones who maybe can't fend for themselves in the food department yet. Annie, can you tell us a little bit about what that looked like for you when your kiddos were little? Well, we we raise a lot of breakfast foods. Can I put it that way? We raise pigs and chickens and have lots of eggs and pork products. And so we always eat always have eaten good breakfasts in the mornings. That's twofold. One, we have the ingredients to hand. And then also we're often busy during the day, most often outside. And so lunches needed to be quicker. And I wanted to start us off with a lot of food in our tummies. And so we usually eat a pretty good breakfast in the mornings and a little bit lighter at lunch. We started that when the kids were little. Physiologically, their tummies are smaller and they are very active they're running circles around me. So they're burning off more calories than I am. And I needed to remind myself of that. And so when the kids were little, I always had some type of good food available, not fruit snacks or something like that. You know, always had something that was more filling and more protein or vegetable that could keep them going. We didn't do a lot of snacks, still don't really, because I wanted my kids to eat at mealtime. So I don't offer very many snacks and really expect them to eat at mealtime. One of the things I did when the kids were little is I bought those six whole muffin tins. You know, you can get them at the dollar store. And we made what I would refer to as a homemade Lunchable. One was like a cracker, some type of cracker or half of a peanut butter sandwich. And then another whole was a fruit. Another one was a vegetable. Another one was cheese. Another one was maybe some cut up ham or something like that. Anyway, you have six choices. It gave the kids a good variety of foods to try when they were younger. And then, you know, none of those portions was enough to completely fill them up because don't kids love to do that, right? Eat one thing and eat a gallon of it. We really use those for years as our lunches. And then that helped me meal plan too, because I thought, okay, I need six things for lunch. What am I going to use and have on hand for lunches? We quit that about two years ago uh, when my kids started eating a lot more than that could provide them. But man, that really helped when they were little. They looked forward to it. It was exciting. There were six different things to choose from. And it was also a good way to introduce new foods. All my kids now can feed themselves. So it's been a long time since 
those years. But unlike Annie, who offered six things, I'm pretty sure my oldest probably had a peanut butter and jelly sandwich every day of her life for like three years straight (laughs) for lunch. Um, I would just say at that stage, when you have littles, it's about survival. I remember literally peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and a cheese stick and some carrots were a staple lunch many, many days in my house when my kids were little. I do remember even for dinners that my one girlfriend told me, I think I had another one on the way or was getting ready to and I was stressing about meals. She's like, girl, you know, go buy some frozen meatballs from Trader Joe's and the frozen enchiladas and stock your fridge up, you know, in your freezer with easy things. That's totally what I did. And at another point I did where you go and pack the meals at the little place. I don't even know what they're called now or if they're even still around because it was 10 years ago, but that was another thing I did. And I haven't done it in 10 years, but it was very handy for me when I had little kids. Making a fancy or even just elaborate dinner was not something that you could do when you have four little kids. I had four kids in five and a half years. So big fancy meals weren't happening. I would say when you have little ones, if they're going to eat it and they're not complaining, why rock the boat? Yeah. And I think, you know, especially if you're on social media, it can be easy to see all these sort of granola homeschool families who are doing a big a fancy breakfast or pancakes midweek and a fancy lunch of some kind. Don't be hemmed in by that. This is not a shame zone. Feeding your kids is not a shame zone. I mean, there are kids who want to eat peanut butter and jelly every day. I have a friend who said her son ate a peanut butter sandwich every day for like four years. And that was all he ate for lunch. That was all he wanted. Well, peanut butter is a protein. He was fine. You don't need to feel pressure to compare yourself with someone else or to break out some kind of a fancy lunch plan in order to take care of your kids and feed them. My kids have a rotation. There are probably a handful of different things that they like to be able to choose from and they like to be able to make a choice. And some days I give them a choice and some days I just say, this is what's for lunch and that's it. And they have learned not to argue about that, just to go with the flow as well. It doesn't always have to be organic. It doesn't always have to be from scratch. It has to be whatever it is that you can do that works best for your family and your situation right now. On days when we have something to do out and about, or they're going to co-op, I allow them a Lunchable. And it's a treat. It's a dollar at the grocery store. They love the cheese and meat and crackers set up. They usually eat the cookies first. And that's just fine for once a week. They also love, my husband loves Kraft macaroni and cheese and my daughters love Kraft macaroni and cheese. I do not. It's not an ideal choice in my mind, but once a week, they have Kraft Mac and Cheese, usually Monday, and they call it Mac and Cheese Monday. And then it makes it easy on me because I know that at you know quarter 12, I'm going to throw the pot on the stove with some water in it, and they're going to be perfectly happy to eat their Kraft Macaroni and Cheese. And then other days of the week, I might do something a little more, a little more nutritional, <laughs> but no one has died of this. It's about keeping your kids happy and keeping their bellies full. Now, my kids do snack a little more. They like to have something in the mid-morning and mid-afternoon, but also I just keep a number of choices on hand. They know what's available. There's always fresh fruit. There's always cheese sticks, like Heather mentioned. There's always yogurt tubes, you know, and some of it is prepared foods because as a working mom, I'm not making homemade yogurt in this season of life. I'm not a working mom and I still haven't made homemade (laughs) yogurt, so... I made my homemade yogurt when I was single and I had time to do that for myself. And it was fun. I have made the homemade yogurt. Oh, Oh, Annie wins. I have made it, yeah. I've made it with milk from my own cow. So, right. Well, exactly. Wow, that's impressive. I, it's a little it's a little different lifestyle out here. I buy the case of Chobani from Costco. 
<laughs> I've bought, I've bought Chobani too. So right there with you. And I think Costco and Sam's Club can be a lifesaver. My sister is a homeschooling mom. She makes everybody's lunches and snacks at the beginning of the day and she throws it all together. A lot of it is like, it might be cheese stick in there and a yogurt tube and a little cottage cheese, one of the little individual ones or a fruit cup or something like that. Fresh, fresh veggies, you know, baby carrots or whatever. And then she throws it all in a plastic, like a Gladware. And then each kid has one and they get to pick and choose and kind of graze on their stuff as they are hungry. And when it's out, it's out, you know, unless somebody's really crying, that works really well for her. So it's all about finding, I think, a system and a menu that works for you. And if it helps you to say, this is what breakfast is every Monday, this is what breakfast is every Tuesday, go do that. Make a five-day plan and, and rotate it every week if that's what you need to do. And that's what is helpful. We do that. Having a plan like that for breakfast lets kids help. Mm. My kids can make almost any breakfast by themselves just because they know on these days, oh, it's pancake day. Can I help? Yes. Come learn how to make pancakes. Well, yours are, how old old your youngest, Annie? She'll be 10 next month. Okay. My oldest is eight. She's not quite ready to handle the stove by herself. So she will mix the pancake batter, but she wants me to do the cooking. She's a little nervous about burning herself with the skillets, but definitely a big help. And the older they get, the more they can take on, you know, and it certainly doesn't take being a 10 year old to pour a bowl of cereal. So, and there's no shame in cereal. For sure. We do a menu now too. And I basically do it for my sanity because it was at the point with four kids, I was literally being asked, what are we eating for in fifth <laughs> yeah. meal 16 times a day? We would finish breakfast and every kid would ask me within a 10 minute time frame, what are we having for lunch? And then right after lunch, every kid would ask me, what are we having for dinner? And, and even on the weekends when my husband was home, what are we having? And now I finally just say, look at the menu. It is up on the refrigerator and you can see what we are having. So then do you sit down and plan each weekend or how do you, how do you do that, Heather? I do. What's on our fridge is just a weekly plan with breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I try to do a dinner plan for like the month that I just pencil in on a paper menu that I look at just to kind of give me a time frame so I know what to buy for each week. But then I do post on the fridge. I just ha- I have it laminated, of course, homeschool mom. And I just fill it in for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And that way I can rotate what they're having. But I will put on there like oatmeal or pancakes and I'm not making it for my kids for breakfast. That's just what they're to have. And for lunch, I'll put tuna fish on there for one day, but only two of my kids like tuna fish. So the other two, if it's tuna fish day and they don't want to eat tuna fish, well then peanut butter and jelly it is for you or something else that's in their fridge. Yeah, my kids are on their own for lunch, take a break and do their schoolwork and eat and then come back. I have a shelf in the fridge that anything on that shelf is fair game because they have eaten stuff I have set aside for that night or later on in the week. And I'll be like, where is this? Oh, I got hungry. I ate it. You're not supposed to eat that. So we set aside a shelf and on that shelf is a small bin where I can put smaller things. Friday night, I made pizza and we had extra pepperoni in the package. And I thought, I'm gonna throw that in the kid box. And so just, you know, cheese and meat and carrot sticks and stuff just kind of get tossed in there. And then I don't have to referee every time the fridge gets open. Don't eat that. They know this shelf is theirs. They can eat anything off of there. Leftovers go up there. They can feed themselves. 
and I don't have to referee what they're taking. My husband works four days a week, and so he has to pack lunches. He doesn't pack lunch. Let's be real. I pack lunch. He has his own box in the fridge that that is dad's lunchbox, and you cannot take anything from dad's lunchbox because that happened one time where the kids were like, wow, look at all the cool stuff dad gets for lunch. Let's eat that. No. (laughs) Dad has his own box. The kids have their own shelf that's fair game. And then I'm not being disappointed or refereeing. That's good because literally last week I just put a sticky note on something in my fridge and said don't eat (laughs) Mm -hmm. yep i've done that i have a good friend who uses a note card system and it works really well for her she's done it for years she has dinner note cards and then she will just shuffle them so what's on it is five things so she'll have five days of dinners and then she pulls out that note card And on the back, she keeps the ingredients that she needs to cook all those meals. So she kind of also strategized and took some time planning it so that she might have two meals that, you know, use up a rotisserie chicken. And she puts those on the same week. And so she'll just pull out three note cards and she knows what her meals are for the week. And then your grocery list is there too. So there are all kinds of meal planning tips and tricks online. And for dinners, our schedule is driven somewhat by activities. The nights that we have piano or dance, I try to keep meals a little more simple. Sometimes I'll do something that I throw in the crock pot midday, or I will make it something simple like taco night. And then my husband will cook the taco meat while I'm gone and I get home and I just have to, you know, pull out tomatoes and and lettuce and cheese. I always have shredded cheese on hand that I don't have to shred. You know, taco night is easy. So I strategize too with dinners around our busyness, whatever is is going on. I do know two moms who use a dinner meal service like HelloFresh or Blue Apron, even if they're just getting two meals a week, and that can take a big load off in a busy season, especially a season of transition where you've got a lot going on. I worked outside of the home for three years as the executive for a nonprofit. So when I took that job, John stayed home with our two older kids and I was pregnant with our youngest at the time and then took her to work with me for nine months. And when I took this job, I said to John, you need to take over something at the house. I can't do laundry and wash dishes and cook meals and clean house. And I can't do it all and still work outside the home. So then he tried various versions of helping. John is not a cook. I mean, he could feed himself and did in his bachelor days, but it it won pretty. So he can feed the kids while I'm away. But every time I return, one of my children, usually my son, will say, mom, are you going to cook dinner now? And that's all they'll say, but they're hungry. Cooking has always been kind of my job and I enjoy it. I like to cook. So I stumbled upon a book called Once a Month Cooking and I was so intrigued by the concept. There's two versions of it, Once a Month Cooking and then the book I got was Once a Month Cooking Family Favorites. And they're written by two moms, Mary Beth Lagerborg and Mimi Wilson. And it walks you through the process of cooking once and making 30 meals to store in your freezer. So I was intrigued by this. I bought the book and I started cooking them. And it is fascinating. You cook one day and you get 30 meals. And so I did that for three years. And I would pick one day. And when you shop, like it is the two cart system. You're buying all these ingredients. And so it's main dishes. And then you provide 
side salads or vegetable you know you provide some fresh some fresh ingredients but your main dishes are done and that works so well for us because john can turn on the oven stick something in the crock pot like he can do that part but as far as put together a lasagna he he couldn't do that that's asking something outside of his skill zone i adapted it to recipes you know that were family favorites of ours and worked some of our stuff in but man the three years that i was working outside the home and had little littles oh man did it help john would take the kids for that one day that I was cooking and they would go do something fun with dad and I'd have the whole house and then then I was done and I had a freezer full of meals that I could pull out and defrost and John could stick in the oven and then we could eat so that is a resource that I really love I've gotten away from it now that I'm home more but when I was outside of the house man did that save my sanity that is a great system and some of it too can be utilizing the tools you have so if you have a deep freeze even if you don't do monthly cooking or something like that something that's that big of a project you maybe you want to do a meal exchange group I have a college at work who gets together with some girlfriends once a month and they all make one meal, they multiply it by how many families they're doing the exchange with. So if they're doing four families, they make four recipes worth of that, put it in freezer containers, bring it and they all swap. And then everybody's got, you know, 12 freezer meals to go home with or something like that. And that works I've done those too. too. Those are super fun. And, and then you get you, to try new recipes. Yeah. Cause you're trying something somebody else has, has made and then you can replicate it if you want to. But even if you're just cooking for yourself, like making a pan of lasagna, double it and put one in the freezer. Costco, Sam's Club, they have huge packages of the foil nine by 13 inch casserole pans that work great for freezing. I think I maybe buy one pack a year and put casseroles in the freezer and then you've got something you can pull out. That could be a really good habit. And that size pan yeah. fits perfectly in a two gallon Ziploc bag. So sometimes when you cover a pan like that just with foil, it can get freezer burned or it can take on an off taste, but slide it into a two gallon freezer bag and zip it shut and it'll last for months. Where do you find two gallon freezer bags? Oh, they're in my grocery store. I bought some today. I don't know if I've ever seen a two gallon freezer bag, but maybe I've never looked. Now you made me curious. That's what Jana packages her left in. That would be great. Living where I live, we're miles from a grocery store. So I can't fly by the seat of my pants. I have no idea what we're having for dinner tomorrow. Annie has never said those words. I have to have a menu plan because when I go to the grocery store, I have to get everything I need or I'm going to forget something and then it's not possible. So I menu plan for a week or two, depending on what the schedule looks like. Like you, Harmony, I'm not fancy some nights. My kids love tacos or Mexican food. So every Tuesday is tacos or some version of Mexican food. Sometimes I'll be wild and do enchiladas. Taco salad was last week. And this week, it's straight up beef tacos. Sometimes we'll make carnitas and whatever variation of tacos you want. And then Friday, for as long as John and I have been married, which is 13 years now, Friday has been pizza night. A lot of times it's homemade pizza. And other times it is take and bake. Other times it is frozen pizza. But Friday is pizza night. And so there's two nights already planned every week, some version. And then Sunday night is soup night. That's been soup night for 10 years. So every Sunday night is soup. And I start it Sunday morning and then I'm done cooking. That's great. The regularity. And if you have family favorites, that's 
perfect to do. Just repeat your family favorites, make a certain night work for that, and you've got half your meals planned. I always have one night I leave open with nothing on it for leftovers because I know I always have some kind of, and we have leftovers night where everybody just gets to pick or have a buffet. I have four people in my family, so that seems to happen pretty regularly. And then I have one night we always get takeout one night and give I give myself a night off. Nothing fancy, but just something something easy. And usually that's Friday night. But I also do keep a well-stocked pantry. I have a chest freezer in the basement. And so I always try to keep meat on hand and then just to have basic ingredients on hand, baking ingredients, as well as freezer ingredients like frozen vegetables I can throw into a soup or a casserole and things like tortillas, enchilada sauce, pizza sauce, peanut butter and jelly always on hand, other canned things that I use a lot of. And then when I run out of them, I replenish them. Even if it's not necessarily on the menu, I put those back in the pantry. When we first went into lockdown during the pandemic, we had a couple of weeks where the grocery stores were just nuts and some things they were out of for months. And my pantry enabled me to kind of keep going and not to have to skew too much from things that we like because I had enough stuff on hand. Keeping a pantry that's well stacked can help you out in that regard too. Yeah, I don't just have a pantry. I have a whole room. It's called the fruit room and it's all our canned goods. I won't tell you how many freezers I have, but I have a lot of them and they're all filled with delicious meat. We have a big garden, so I can and freeze and dehydrate a lot of that. So we're eating a lot of our own produce and we eat our own meat and eggs. Part of my meal planning strategy is that I need to use up what we have. When I meal plan, sometimes it's not, what do I feel like eating? But what do I need to get out of the freezer? That's another strategy. Yeah, I don't have a deep freeze, so I don't do a whole lot of the batch cooking. We do have a second refrigerator, so I have a second small freezer. I go and get stuff at the beginning of the month. For the month, I will get a couple loaves of bread, and then I put three loaves of bread in the second freezer, things like that, just because I don't want to have to go to the store every week for bread. One of the breakfasts that we do is either bagels or English muffins. Just today when I went to Costco, I got the two packs of bagels and the big double pack of English muffins. And three of those went into the freezer for the next three weeks. We'll rotate Tuesday mornings is bagels or English muffins. And so that's four breakfasts right there for the month. I use my freezer for that stuff more so than batch cooking. some great online meal planning services too that you can find if you're just sort of like, I don't even know where to start. I don't even know how to pick a menu or what things to choose from. You can Google and find different people who have already put together rotating menu plans. Sometimes they're free. Sometimes they're a subscription service, but there are a lot of options. I use Plan to Eat. It's a subscription and you can meal plan with it, but I don't necessarily use it as much for meal plan as for the convenience of having all my recipes on my phone. And that, so I will use that when I am meal planning myself. But like I said, I just usually write it down on a paper calendar and I don't use the online tool of dropping and all the recipes into their online calendar, but I'll just pull up, pull up my recipes and I can pull up the soups and I can pull up my entrees. So then do you have to enter them into there? You do, but if you have a link, you can just copy the link and then it adds it. So it's really nice. Especially if you're cooking from recipes from online places. Okay. Exactly. 
exactly. So all recipes, if it's a recipe on a blog, I've used it for a couple of years now. And when I first got it, I just went through my whole Pinterest board of food and went on every blog, copied and pasted the web addresses into my plan to eat account. And now I don't even have to go to Pinterest because all those recipes are in plan to eat. That's great. When I first started meal planning, I used emails as a way to just give me some ideas and how do I do this for a whole week. And it was a great service and it's paid and they have a lot of different meal plans and family sizes and even those with food sensitivities or things you're avoiding, they do a really nice job of having a lot of different variety. And then they have shopping lists and you can get them customized to your local grocery stores or Walmart or Sam's Club or however you want to set it up. They have different shopping lists for different stores. Emails was a great way for me to start learning the process. I don't use it anymore, but it was what I started with. And I used that for about a year and a half just to kind of get my sea legs under me. And then I took off on my own. When you start meal planning, what I always tell people is ask your family what they want to eat. You may have it in your head that, well, as a stay-at-home mom, someone who's here in the mornings, I should be putting on, like Harmony said, those big breakfasts every morning. Maybe your family aren't real big breakfast eaters and they're fine with a piece of toast and some fruit or cereal or yogurt. You don't have to get a big breakfast. Ask your family what they want to eat. Now, your kids may say ice cream. Well, that's not an option in our family. So uh, nice try. But no, what do you want to eat for breakfast? My kids were the ones who said, Mom, can we have tacos every Tuesday? Sure. (laughs) That's awesome. So if you ask them what they want to eat, they'll tell you. And then you can make a rotation out of that. You don't have to be having 30 different recipes. You maybe have 10 different recipes and you alternate every other week, which is perfectly fine. Yeah, I think that's key. I think don't put all the responsibility on yourself to be the menu planner for your whole family. Because like Annie said, I did the exact same thing. And I just did it within this last year. I think I did it in the middle of the pandemic because I was kind of fried and not knowing what to do, feeling like in a rut. And so I took three pieces of paper. I wrote breakfast, lunch, and dinner at the top of each one. And then I made everybody contribute to the list. You put down what you want for breakfast, put down what some options you want for lunch, and put down some of your favorite dinners. And they filled up the papers. And then I took a picture of them and I have them saved on my phone. And so again, when I'm in UP Lanning, I go and look at those pictures and be like, okay, what are their favorite dinners? And it's easy to pull from. If you have picky eaters, and I think every family has this to some degree, you have one meal that everybody except one person likes, that one person who wants to sit out. Well, I don't stop cooking those meals just because kid A doesn't like, you know, the chili. I have one kid who's a big soup lover and the other one hates soup. That doesn't mean I never make soup. I actually still make soup quite a bit. My husband likes soup. I like soup. One kid likes soup. And on those nights, my other kid knows that she has a couple of options. She can have a cheese quesadilla. She can have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. She can have a bowl of cereal. She can have a yogurt. And so those are kind of standard fallout meals, but it doesn't mean that I stop cooking just because of pickiness or dislike, especially with something most of the family likes. And if you have a lot of picky eaters, like in the Seven Silly Eaters by... Marian Hoberman, I think. Great picture book, especially if you have a household of picky eaters. I do require that everybody try something new. I have a shelf of over 150 cookbooks. So I like to try new recipes. I don't do it as often as I used to. I try not to throw that at them more than once a week because then everyone is just sort of gets crabby. They definitely like to know what's going to be on the menu and most of the time to have it be familiar. I'm pretty good at 
most of the time knowing if it's going to be something that everybody's going to like or at least tolerate when I choose something new to try. And that's how we find our family favorites too. Sometimes we all get sick of the rotation and we need something fresh and a new flavor and we find something that's like, oh, we're going to add this to our regular rotation. So exploring new recipes too is not a bad thing. Just don't feel like you have to do it all the time. And I would say definitely don't do it too much. Don't do it more than once a week. That's a lot on you. It can be a lot on your family too to take in new foods. Just like when you have a little one, then you're introducing, you know, new foods you do one at a time. Let them get used to one thing before you add something new. But I use an app called Eat Your Books. It's a cookbook app where you put in your cookbooks and they have an entire database full of cookbooks that you, the recipe does not come up, but what does show up is the ingredients list. So if I have something in the fridge that I need to use up, I can put in that ingredient, especially if it's something wacky where I'm like, I'm really not sure what to do with this. Then it will pull up for me all of the recipes I have in my cookbooks with that ingredient in them. Or if I want to say, find a recipe for a curry, I can put in curry or I can find a recipe for shepherd's pie. Or if I know that I have a recipe or something and for the life of me, I can't remember what cookbook it's in. I can put the name of that dish in and figure out which cookbook it came from. And it will tell me the cookbook and the page number. So that's been handy for me with so many physical cookbooks because I do not cook from online as much as a lot of moms do. I tend to cook more from my cookbooks and my recipe card file. When you talk about kids not liking something, my kids know that mom does not make more than one meal. And like you, I will cook a meal knowing full well that one or more of my children may not appreciate all of my culinary efforts. One night, I can't remember what we were having. My son is not a fan of mashed potatoes. He would eat his body weight fried potatoes, but mashed potatoes are not his jam. So we were having something with mashed potatoes on it. And my son is a big eater. Like he can out eat his dad some days. And I was like, what is he doing? I didn't say anything. Just disrupt my plate and start eating. All of a sudden, he just gets up from the table and like puts his silverware and his plate back in the cupboard and sits back down. He's with the family. He knows it's family mealtime, but he's not eating that. And so my husband, who sits next to him, was like, um, buddy, what are you doing? Well, we're not supposed to complain about the food. I'm just not going to eat it. So I decided to put my plate back. And John was like, well, you can make a sandwich or something or have some fruit. Oh, good idea. And he went and got some more stuff to eat. But it was like, buddy, you can still eat. If you choose not to eat what was made, that's fine. And thank you for putting your stuff away. But you can eat. There's a great cookbook that has helped me a lot with my pickier eater. It is by Jenny Rosenstruck. I think that's how you pronounce her name. It's called Dinner, A Love Story. And it's probably actually one of my favorite family cookbooks, but she talks about making meals that can be deconstructed when you have kids who are fussy, even if it's just about one ingredient or kids who don't like a one pot meal, say you're going to make spaghetti and you have a kid who doesn't like tomato sauce, then you can do the spaghetti and add some butter and Parmesan for that kid. But meals that can be taken apart so that you do not necessarily have to give them all the pieces of the meal. You can give them the pieces that they'll eat and you're still not cooking something totally different or you're not resorting to something like a peanut butter and jelly. I really liked that approach. You've got my whole family hooked on the pork ragu from that book. Oh, that is the best. That's my go-to company dinner, <laughs> pork ragu. Jenny Rosenstrack's pork. We'll, re- we'll link to that in the show notes. Fantastic. <laughs> Yes. Uh, you, I think, posted a picture of it sometime and I was like, oh, I've got to try that. And oh yeah, it definitely made it on our list of favorite dinners. Yeah. And there's a whole list of great family cookbooks out there. If you are someone who doesn't cook, I've run into a couple of young moms who did not even know how to begin. They never learned how to cook. They didn't know where to start. And 
of course, there are great websites, YouTubers, you know, people who can show you how to cook. You can look up any clip of a Food Network show teaching the basics, but you can also get some really good family cookbooks. And Jenny Rosenstruck's Dinner Love Story website is also good along with her cookbook. She's got another cookbook too called Dinner the Playbook. And that's a fantastic meal planner. It's got great simple ideas and then like a 30-day challenge to cook dinner for 30 days. But the meals are all really approachable and simple and she's just got great recipes. And she has an older cookbook too called Time for Dinner. She was editor of a magazine that went out of print. I didn't read it when it was in print. It was called Cookie. That one is by the editors of that magazine. And they've got some page spreads and I love that it'll say like, I have potatoes. What do I do with my potatoes? And then there's a potato pizza and a baked potato bar, which is actually one of my favorite dinners. And then I think like shepherd's pie is the third one, make mashed potatoes and do shepherd's pie. So you can take like, if I've got this in the pantry, here are three different things I can do with it. And that's really handy. And I use that a lot as well. Now with kids and work and homeschool and everything else, it's like, I always have to have dinner on the table in under an hour. And so how do I do that? My instant pot is also one of my best friends. It took me a long time to jump on that bandwagon. I'm not, I'm usually saying that I sit back and watch people for a couple of years before I like jump on some new appliance, but it has been a great tool. That's how I feel right now about the air fryer. Yeah. I'm not to the air fryer yet either. Maybe we'll be there. Me neither. I'm I'm waiting. Yeah. (laughs) I just don't, I don't have room. I just don't have the room. Yes, (laughs) exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. And I've thought about, um, you know, they have the air fryer lids that you can get for your Instant Pot. I would be more apt to do something like that so that I don't have a whole nother new. Haven't even heard of that. Annie, no comments on these devices. (laughs) I love my Crock-Pot. I have more than one. I'll just say that much. I don't have as many Crock-Pots as I have deep freezers. Let me put it that way. (laughs) But I love my Crock-Pot. I fought Instant Pot for a long time. Like, no way was I getting one. Because I don't like pressure cooked meat. Like, I love to braise and grill and I raise grass-fed meats. And so you kind of have to prepare them a little different. So I was not going to get on the Instapot bandwagon. Plus, I was home most nights to, to put dinner together. I didn't get one for a long time. And then some of my farmer friends said oh my gosh, it makes peeling fresh eggs possible. And I was like, are you kidding me? Because if you don't know, peeling fresh eggs is a nightmare. And I tried every technique in the book, putting vinegar in the water, putting baking soda in the water, doing this, doing that, doing all this stuff. I used to have high dozen eggs in the back of my fridge that no one would find them for two weeks. And then I could hard boil them. So when my farmer friend said, oh my gosh, you can do fresh eggs in the Instapot. I was like, okay. Now I might need to get one. And then when another farmer friend said, oh, that's where I make fresh yogurt. Like, that's how I make my yogurt. I was like, there's a yogurt function? I bought it for doing hard-boiled eggs from my chickens fresh and to make yogurt three quarts at a time. That's what I mainly use it for. I said that. And then just tonight, I Instapot my potatoes so they're almost done. And then that's how I make fried potatoes. I use it for mashed potatoes a lot. I hate how boiling potatoes heats up your kitchen and the kitchen gets so hot and humid. And so having them in the instant pot makes all the difference. And I do use a lot for hard boiled eggs too. I have a hard boiled egg lover who will eat one or two hard boiled eggs a day. And so I use it regularly for hard boiled eggs and for all kinds of things. I think one of the genius things I figured out about it was if you need chicken, cooked chicken for something, and you forget to take it out of the freezer, you can put frozen chicken breasts in your Instant Pot or chicken thighs, and they will cook from frozen and be just fine to shred or chop for a recipe. And that's great in a pinch. 
no matter where you are on the home cooking spectrum, whether you are grinding your own wheat to make bread every day, or whether you're just looking to cook one meal a week for your family, no matter where you are on that spectrum, you don't have to go from one to 10. If you want to incorporate more cooking, if you want to incorporate your kids into cooking, just do one meal with them a week and sit down and say to one or all of your kids, however you want to involve them and say, what would you like to eat for supper? And we have had some strange combinations in our house, but it was a meal that that kid chose and shopped for the ingredients, maybe, maybe not, helped create, helped cook, stir, chop, whatever level they could participate in. And you should see them if their siblings don't eat what they made. Oh, there is some indignant behavior where I I worked hard on that and you're not even going to try it. And as a mom, you can kind of sit back and go, welcome to my world. So wherever you are on the spectrum, and if you want to increase um, your kitchen skills, cooking boxes, cooking classes, partnering up with a friend, setting little measurable goals is far more likely to lead to success than saying, that's it. We are raising all of our own food, a la Barbara Kingsolver, and we're going to start this spring. Do it in measurable, small steps, and you're going to learn, your kids are going to learn, and you're going to enjoy it. Well, thanks everybody for being with us today, and we'll be back with another episode soon. You've been listening to the Relatable Homeschoolers podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. You can find links to all the books and resources we mention on the show at our website, therelatablehomeschoolers.com. We would love to hear your homeschooling questions. You can email us at therelatablehomeschoolers at gmail.com. You can also connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at The Relatable Homeschoolers. We'd love it if you leave a rating and review for us on iTunes. It only takes a minute and we'll ensure more homeschooling mamas get to hear our show. We'll be back with another episode soon. Until then, happy homeschooling schooling.